It's good to know that his eye is on the spirit. Praise the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And you know what? Praise his name. For his eye. They watch us. No matter what we go through, no no matter where we're going, his eyes is on you. And you know if his eyes is on you that he's going to be with you and he's going to protect you and he's going to take care of you no matter what it is. We may not understand it right now, but we'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Amen. And if you would go with me to the epistle of the Apostle James, chapter 1. Epistle of James, chapter 1, starting at verse 21, you will find these words. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. This morning, I'd just like to speak with you for a few moments from the thoughts. Good religion. Good religion. 
nestled in the first chapter of the epistle of James, we find this passage of scripture dealing with hearing and acting on the word of God. The word of God time and time again goes back to being obedient to his word. In the context of this passage, we find that James is writing to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. He's writing to the people of God while they're going through trials and tribulations, while they're going through persecution in the land. And I don't know about you, but I find that persecution is just part of the plan of God for the people of God. The Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 1 that it is a blessing to suffer. Unfortunately to us, it doesn't feel like a blessing when we're going through. But God reminds us that it is a blessing to suffer. Because we have to remember from Romans chapter 8 that God is creating us into the image of his son. And we're not going to get there floating on a lily pad at 70 degrees in the bright sunshine. But there's things that are in everybody's life that need to be cut away. And through suffering, those things are brought to the surface an opportunity to have surgery to remove them from our beings. So here in James, once again, the people are being persecuted. That old crazy Nero is being under tutelage right at this time. The people are scattered. James is is writing to them, letting them know that to count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. He also goes on to tell them what are the qualities that we must have in order to go through our situation. He said, don't be so quick to talk so much. To pop off the top of your head with whatever comes to mind. Because when you're under the pressure cooker of persecution, you can easily say something that you wish you had never said. See, that's what happens when the enemy comes in like a flood. And he starts chaos within a congregation or within a nation. He causes persecution. He causes strife. And before we know it, we're angry and we are uncomfortable and our minds are going everywhere except to the Lord. And before we know it, we're saying things that we wish we had never said. I know some of you today in our IT world have written emails that we wish that there was a button that could say erase. But we can't get back which is already gone. But it's the same with the words that come out of our mouth that goes into another person's ears. It's too late after it's out of your mouth. That's why he says, slow it down. We're going too fast and doing too much. Because I know that you're not feeling well. I know that things aren't good and comfortable for you. But slow down. 
Don't get so anxious in your situations and so irritated that you say things that you wish you never had said. So he said, be slow to speak, but quick to listen. In this context, he talks about listening and as listening to the Lord. Because the Lord will give you what you need to say in the moment you need to say it, but you got to start listening to him first. But the hardest time for us to listen to the Lord is when we're going through. Because we are trying to get this pain off of us. Whatever it may be, whether we understand it or not, we're looking for a quick answer because we don't like to suffer. So before we know it, we're asking our friends for advice and we're looking to other so-called professionals before ever looking to the Lord. But I tell you today that other friends and professionals aren't God. And so before you know it, you're getting advice based on the information that's been given to them that is not enough to give you sound counsel. But the Lord knows all things. Put him first. Go to the Lord with your situation first. And then let the Lord lead you. He may lead you to someone else to give you more answer, but ultimately the perfect answer comes from the Lord. And I'm saying today we got to slow it down, saints. We're in a fast-moving world. Things are happening, seems like at the blink of an eye. We got, we got TV, we got radio, we got international news. All kind of things are happening. All kind of messages are being thrown at us. And really, a lot of it is distraction. We don't need to know all of this stuff. But the world and our culture says you got to be connected at all times to everything that's going on in the world. Not just in the United States, but all around the world. I mean, we're panicking about what's going on in Europe or panicking about what's going on in Japan. We don't need to know all of this stuff. We don't even know, need to know what's going on on the other side of our own country sometimes. But it's all part of the system to keep us distracted. Because the more we lock into the world system and all of its information, all of the media, the less time we have for God. We got to slow it down, saying We got to slow it down and learn how to listen, not so much to the pundits, but listen to God. And then the text goes on to say, be slow to anger. If you think about it for a moment, the media channels that we watch, most of the news is what? Negative. There's a purpose for that. Because negative sells. But as those who run the media moguls are profiting from this negative news, it is not profiting our souls. We don't need all of that. Because little do we know it's all adding up and causing us to be anxious about things that we don't need to be anxious about. It's causing us to have irritation and sometimes even reach anger on things that we don't need to be angry about. The Bible says be angry but sin not. But before you know it, we're angry and we're in a bunch of sin. We're talking crazy about folks and we're doing things we shouldn't do. Mistreating folks because we're angry about something somebody else has cropped up and somebody else has cropped up. 
But it's all coming from that enemy. That old serpent of old. More cunning than any other beast in the field. But we got to slow down. Qualities of a saint doing persecution, doing hard trials, doing chaos, is to slow it down. And so now in our text for today, he says to us, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Look at what James says. Now he's talking to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. But by extension, he's talking to the seed of Abraham, which is us. Because the seed comes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We are children of Abraham because we believe in God by faith. So we are his seed. So by implication, he's speaking to us. And so in verse 21, he's saying, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. He's letting us know even though we are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, we can still sin. We can still do stuff we ain't got no business. We can still lie on one another. We can still backbite. We can still envy. We can still be covetous. All these things, we can still be greedy. We can still even be murderous. And James is saying, but you got something in you that gives you the power to put this aside. Because we see it's a command to lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, the, the abundance of wickedness that can be produced in our flesh. But he who has the spirit is an overcomer. And we have the power to lay it aside. But it comes by first slowing it down. Because guess what? When you see therefore, you need to know what it's there for. And it's there because of the words preceding it telling us to slow it down. Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's no way we can be mad and self-righteous indignation and produce the righteousness of God. We'll never get there that way because it's not in us. Our anger has to be a godly anger. Not a man or not a mankind anger, not a worldly anger that's against the individual. But we need to be angry about sin. But unfortunately, a lot of times in our culture of sin, we like the sin, but we hate the person. A lot of times we want to be in all kinds of sins and like them and cuddle them, but then we look at our brother or sister and we treat them so wrong. We don't love them like we should. We don't talk to them right. We do everything else but bring them close. But then we over here coddling some sin, some secret sin in our closet that we don't want to get out. We over there coddling it when we need to be angry about that sin. And not angry about our brother. But this text is showing us that we can't produce that righteousness like that. But we do it by having godly anger if we're going to have it. 
But the Bible lets us know that we should have a mind of Christ that can look at the sinner and look beyond their faults and to see their needs. Galatians talks about restoring one in the spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted. Now look at this text. It says, and receive with what? Meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your soul. It's interesting that, that James used this word here, meekness. He says the way in order to receive the word is with meekness. The word meekness can be characterized as a word that means power under control. So what we find is that the believer is quite powerful. God has put a lot into the believer and we don't want to misuse it. We have the ability to bring life or to bring death through the power of the tongue. But we've got to learn how to get our power under control. Because we can do a whole lot of damage if we're doing too much talking and not enough listening. And so in this text, we see that we need to receive the implanted word with meekness. We need to slow everything down, stop jumping to conclusions, listen to the Lord, and don't move so fast. Sometimes people are talking to me and they're wondering why I'm not doing this or doing that. It's because the word, the Lord has not told me to do it yet. Man, I spent I spent almost two decades not doing something that people wanted me to do. And I found that in the Lord's time, He would open the doors to do what that I wanted to do. But people said, Well, I just don't understand why you ain't doing this and why you ain't doing that. I said, Because the Lord ain't told me to do that. When men don't understand, that's okay. Because you have to have your relationship with God and you listen to him. No matter how many people are trying to get you not to do or to do something that you have no business doing until the Lord says it, don't do it. And you will see in the by and by that his perfect will, you will find that you needed to get to a place before you was ready to do that which other people and even yourself sometimes believe that you're ready to do. But just hold on and keep your mouth. Because you can bring life and you can bring death. So in this text, as, as we talk about the implanted word of God, when we are meek, when we get the power that God has given us under control, we're able to hear from the Lord and observe, absorb his word. Because see, when we're going to and fro, in and out of everything, we can't hear from the Lord. We'll hear a piece of scripture here and there, but it doesn't get implanted. Because the implantation of the word of God comes through meditation. And that's a getting aloneness with God and going over his word and praying and talking with him so that he can get his word down into these hearts of ours. Because we have been made new in him, but we're still a work in progress. 
Sometimes these hearts of ours are like some of that quick soil out there that needs to be broken up. Sometimes it needs to be run over a few times with a disc. It needs to be cultivated before the word can really get down and be rooted. But if you're ripping and running and talking and turning all the time instead of meditating, putting out some time, you'll never get it rooted in you. You'll never get that word down in you so that in each decision that you make, that the word is right there, guiding your every direction. But you got to slow it down in a fast-moving world. And that's good religion. So as we look at our text, he goes into, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let me backtrack to the end of 21 before we deal with 22 and finding out which is able to save your souls. When you see this word saved, undoubtedly you immediately go to the concept of salvation. The saving us from the wrath of God, getting us out of hell into heaven. But James is a practical apostle. And in this context, the word saved is not talking about the theological concept of salvation, but it's talking about keeping yourself from getting into a whole lot of mess. Keeping yourself from being separated from your brothers or sisters through argument. Being separated from situations to where you'll mess around there and catch on to a virus or a disease that you should have never got. Because you were dibbling and dabbling in something that you shouldn't have been. That's the kind of practical saving that this word is talking about today. It's the saving that when when you learn how to keep your mouth, sometimes the things that you think you understand, that you want to go off about, if you just wait a little while and observe some things and let the Lord show you some things, what you find out is that what you were mad about all the time ends up being something that wasn't even a problem in the first place. But do not ever forget that Satan is the great deceiver. He's a mastermind at showing you one thing when it's another. I know in just my own life, just a few days ago, I saw something that I thought I understood. But the Spirit of the Lord said, don't move and don't say nothing. Just hold your tongue. Lo and behold, 24 hours later, I got a revelation through another one of the believers that allowed me to see, wait a minute, hold on. There's another reason why this could have been that way. But if I had went too fast and did too much talking, did too much running my mouth, I could have created all kinds of trouble that didn't need to happen. But glory be to God. To be slow to speak and quick to listen. I don't always do that right. But I thank God for those victories when I am obedient to his word. Saves me so much trouble. It'll save you a whole lot of trouble too. You got to be careful because what you see is not always what it is. No matter how well you think you understand it. That's why it's so good that we can go to the throne of grace. But the one who really understands it all sees it clearly from end to end and can give you that which you need to do in part of that situation. Because it may be you don't need to say nothing. You don't need to get involved. 
and you don't need to be angry. But you got to be quick to listen. This text goes on to say, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There is a phenomenon, at least in our culture in the church today, that we believe just coming to church and hearing a word from the Lord is good enough. Some people brag on, oh, I heard a hard word from the Lord yesterday. Ooh, that was the hardest word I ever heard. So what if you're not going to do it? You can hear it all you want. But if you're not going to do anything about it, then you're deceiving yourself. Now, the person is admitting that they heard a hard word. So evidently that word was a word that was convicting them. But they treated the word experience as if it was just entertainment. Ooh, I heard, ooh, I watched a terrible movie. Ooh, I, I watched a scary movie. Ooh, I heard a hard word yesterday. Movies don't change us. We just get entertainment and say, hey, it's a good movie. Well, we're treating the word of God the same way, but it don't work like that. We are deceiving ourselves. We hear a word to do a word. We don't just hear it for entertainment purposes. So James is practically saying, look, if all you're going to do is come and hear a word from the Lord and not do anything with it, you are deceiving yourself. You think you're something when you're nothing. You think you're on the king's highway going the right way when you're on the devil's highway going the wrong way. You are deceiving yourselves. So we got to learn to be doers of every word that we receive. Because we don't want to be deceived by ourselves. Not deceived by the enemy, but deceived by ourselves because we didn't do it. Look at the text. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. All over our nation, this phenomenon is going on every Sunday morning and even on Wednesday night. Coming to church, hearing a word from the Lord that's reflecting on who we are in Christ. And by the time we get out of the door, maybe even before that, we forget who we are. The church has an identity crisis because we're hearers only, but not doers of the word. God says, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. For this is right in the sight of the Lord. But what do we do? We lie on one another and we backbite. And we get outside and say, well, you know, I just can't stand such and such. But that's your brother and sister in the Lord. You just heard a word, but then you go out and just start the same old mess over again. You got an identity crisis. Because you, you are saint and saved inside the church, and then you turn into a hell raiser outside. That is not pleasing unto the Lord. We got to be right about it and start to receive this word with meekness. 
understanding that we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit and be doers of the word. God will give you everything you need to be a doer, but the thing is, we like our sin. See, that's the whole thing. We don't like to admit this, but we like our sin. We like the way we, we gossip on folk, and we like the way we backbite. Sometimes we like the way we even steal. Some of us get a rush from stealing things. But that's all in the flesh. And we hear the words, thou shalt not steal, but, well, I kind of like it, so I'm going to do it anyway. And so I forget that I'm a Christian in the first place. Before I know it, I'm suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, and I'm going out doing everything. Thing that I want to do and not obeying the will of God. So we go, hard, we go ahead here and we find how quickly a hearer forgets who he is. But then the text says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed and what he does. Look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Isn't it interesting how James refers to the word? And he's really referring back to the Old Testament scriptures. But he calls them the perfect law of liberty. He sees the word as those who obey it are made free. But so many times we look at the word and say it constrains us. If I do this, then I can't get this. Or if I do this, I can't enjoy that. But James is saying you will be liberated by the word. If you follow the word, you will be liberated in ways that you don't even understand. When you think that you want to be free to do something, you are actually doing something that puts you in bondage. Paul the Apostle says, in the bondage of sin. Because anything that's not the law of liberty is sin, ain't it? Anything that's done without faith is sin. So what we do is we trade liberty for bondage. Believing a lie that says that being able to do what we want to do is free. But not for the saint of God. The saint of God needs to understand that sin is bondage and obedience to the word is freedom. The word of God liberates us so we can get out of some of the muck and the mire and the mess that we're all tied up into so that we can freely serve the Lord and be in the fullness of his joy. That's how we get there is by obeying the law of liberty that brings about liberty and breaks every chain. The shackles on our feet and the shackles on our hands breaks it down so that we can serve him freely. But sometimes we get caught up in our own sin and listening to that, that, that great deceiver, Satan, to believe that those things that we like, that we want to do, is our freedom. And all the while, we're going into bondage. But we need to learn how to obey, hear and obey the word so the shackles on our feet can be broken away. 
that every chain can be torn down. That's where we get our freedom is in the law of the Lord. Now, look, it says, here it says that he who looks into the perfect law and continues in it is not a forgetful hero, but a doer of the work. It's easy for us to do some things that the word of God requires for us to do. The easy things for us. And the easy thing in the word for one is not as easy as the other. For one, it may be easy to abstain from sexual immorality. For the other, it may not. For one, it may be easy to abstain from lying, but for another, it may not. For another, from stealing, but another, it may not. But for whatever you are made of and whatever your situation, it's easy to do the things that are easy for you, that the, the things that you are not plagued with. But it says, and continue in it, not just starting with the things that you can do easily, but fighting, fighting, fighting against those things that you can't. Those things that trouble you, those sins that keep cropping up. You got to do them too. If you are going to truly be liberated by God. And so in this text we see that they are forgetful hearers. See, when we just hear the word and not do it, it's like if, if crows came in and plucked the word right out of our minds. We can't keep scriptures in our heart. We can't remember the word. We can't remember where it is because we're just hearers and not doers only. In order for it to get down in you and to get planted so you can retrieve it, you got to be a doer. Or all you are is forgetful hero. And so as we look at this text, God says if you do the work, if you do the work of obeying my commands, you will be blessed in whatever he does. That word blessed means happy. You will have joy. You will have happiness in whatever you do because you are a doer of his word. Even if the situation seems drear, if the situation looks like you ought to be crying, you won't be crying when you're obeying God because he gives you a joy that the world can't give and the world can't take away. And so as we come to a close, James says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. James goes on to say, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Look at James in verse 26. He says, thinking you religious. A lot of us think that we are religious and that's the context not from the negative connotation of religion but thinking those who are faithful to God, that are faithful stewards of what God has given us and servants to him. He who thinks he's faithful to God, it says, and does not bridle his tongue. It is so important for us to watch our mouths. These mouths are like two-edged swords. They cut going one way and cut going the other. Your mouth can separate you from your brother or your mouth can pull you close. 
If you talk about folk and you talk to them crazy and all that, you separate. But if you're telling them that you're loving them and that you're talking to them sweetly and encouraging them, you bring them to you. It's just that simple. And this little thing in our mouth can cause so much damage. But if we're going to have, we're going to be faithful servants of God, we got to bridle that tongue. Because each and every one of us has the same problem because we all have the sin condition. We got to watch our tongues. Because if we don't, we're going to tear up the body of Christ and we'll not be worth anything to the world. Because the world is out in darkness and they need to know about the marvelous light. But if we're bickering and fighting with one another, how will we be able to reach out to anyone else? They will look upon us and say, well, they just like we are. They're doing the same thing we're doing. We're out here killing one another and, and bickering and lying on one another and backbiting. they just like us. Why would I want to go there? We're not attractive if we're just like they are. So we got to get a control of this thing and we got to get it in a hurry because the time is winding up. It is closer now than when we first believed. He says, if any among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, deceives his own heart. There we are again, deception. And it ain't Satan doing it, it's ourselves deceiving our hearts because we won't keep our mouth. And so now as I look down here, it says, this one's religion is useless. You can't be effective for Christ like that. Who wants to, who wants to hear what you got to say when you're tearing other folks down? Who wants to hear what you got to say when you're always being negative? You're always being discouraging. Who wants to hear what you got to say, especially about God? Even the world knows God ain't like that. And so he says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in that trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The saints of God, if we are going to be all that God wants us to be, we got to get our minds off of our own selves. Get our minds off of that which we want and get it pointing to what he wants. This text shows us that James says if we're going to have pure and undefiled religion we got to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. But you won't ever find where those people are if you're lying to one another, fighting with one another, running out of the church, telling folks in the world how bad your church is. You won't ever be able to help the widows and the orphans. If you're trying to set up traps to see your brother or sister fall. But the only way to get to the work that the master has for you and for me is to love one another 
into the world that has lost their way. Children that have no home, have no food, and have no clothes. We who are part of the body of Christ have been given every good thing to go outside into that world and to give food and to give clothes to provide shelter to those who are in need. And even then, there are some widows who have lost their support. But we who have it all should go and take care of them. But we can't do it if we're hearers only and not doers of the word of God. So today I encourage each and every one of us to be an example of Jesus Christ to the world. To keep our minds and to go out and do his will. There was a man who walked the streets of Jerusalem and was out in the far country of Galilee who one Friday evening was led to the slaughter like a lamb before his shears. But the Bible says he didn't say a mumbling word. He could have called down legions of angels, but he didn't for you and for me. Because if he hadn't held his tongue, we wouldn't be here today. Because he would not have made it to the cross that Friday evening for you and for me. They whipped him all night long, but he didn't say a moment word. Because if he had a call for help, the angels would have came and destroyed us all. But they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. From Caiaphas and Annas to the Sanhedrin. From the Sanhedrin to Pilate. From Pilate to Herod. And from Herod back to Pilate. They whipped him all night long. And then they marched him down the Via Dolorosa. But he still didn't say a moment word. They marched him to outside of the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha's Hill. Golgotha's Hill was a nasty place where robbers and thieves and murderers were crucified, skulls all over the place. But that man, he never said a lonely word. He could have called on his father and said, get me out of this place. But he didn't for you and for me. And that Friday evening, they put nails in his hands. That Friday evening, they put nails in his feet. He still could have called down a legion. But he kept his tongue for you and for me. 
took him down from that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But he was early, oh so early. It was early Sunday morning. He got up with all power, with all power in his hand. He had all power in his hand to give us authority in this land. But we can't be healers only, but we got to be doers of his word. He was here for a 40 day layover. Then he stepped out on the cloud and he's gone back to glory. Sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and for me. And he's looking for some folks who will keep their tongues. He's looking for some folks who will take care of the orphans. He's looking for some folks who will take care of the widows. He's looking for some folks who will bear one another's burden. Won't you start that today if you ain't already? Because he's looking for somebody who will show the light of Christ to the world. Because one of these days, one of these days, and it won't be very long, he's coming back for a church without spot or privilege. He's going to catch them up in the air and they shall be changed. Don't you want to be in that place? And don't you want to be found faithful? He is able. Yes, he is. God bless you and God keep you. The doors of the church are open. Praise the name of the Lord. If there is someone who hears these words about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and does not have a personal relationship with him. You have not given him your heart. You have not asked him to come and live in you. Then right now is the time to come. Just as you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. You come and he will take care of the rest. Jesus died for you. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died. He's not looking for you to clean yourself up, but he is going to do the cleaning when you come to him. You can come to Jesus right now. Just as you are. Don't wait another minute, another second, nor another hour. Salvation is right now. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, just
to go over here, Jenny uh, D. Williams, and uh, he would like to be reinstated. Thank you. 